Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy. But now to see classified documents uh, found as having been in the possession of the president who was a former vice president and being treated differently, it, it, it just suggests to me once again that last summer was an overreach. Uh, but the kind of double standard that we see uh, being practiced uh, by the Biden administration in, in the wake of this incident in the Justice Department, I think it's exactly what undermines public confidence uh, in our justice system. That was Mike Pence, who found himself in a little bit of hot water this week. And by the way, I, I'm going to steal from an old Richard Pryor uh, routine and say that whenever I hear that man speak, it's like the hair on the back of my neck stands up. Like, I find him so creepy. But we're going to talk about that in a second. Very exciting show today. We have Kara Swisher on, and uh, that's coming up shortly. And we are also going to be taping an interview with Shannon Watts, who founded Moms Demand Action, and that will be posted in a few days. So let's get right to our two big things. The first being the classified document scandals. First, we had Trump. Ooh, that was bad, according to the Democrats. Now, we don't care, according to Republicans. Then we had President Biden. Oh, we'll get to the bottom of it, says Democrats. That's horrible, says Republicans. It's the most dangerous thing in the world. We must investigate. We must search every residence and office. And then this week, we find out that Pence had classified documents. And we're back to Republicans saying, who cares? Who cares? Not a big deal. And we also, I think, learned yesterday that the National Archives is requesting that every former president and vice president start searching their personal archives and records to see if they have any classified documents, which, I mean, I tweeted this the other day that, like, who's the next one to say, all right, I found some shit, too? Because it's probably, there's probably stuff sitting somewhere in almost every former president and vice president's records because it's probably not an intentional thing it's an inadvertent you know clerical mistake for the most part with the exception of trump and it's easy to imagine how if you're in office for four years and you're dealing with thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of documents that when you leave something might get stuck somewhere and it doesn't belong and as you see by Joe Biden's reaction, oh my God, I didn't realize I had this shit. We're going to pour through everything as best we can and try to find more and we'll cooperate and we'll return and blah, blah, blah. And then you have Trump who's, they're mine. They're mine and I'm going to keep them and hide them and obstruct justice and uh, fuck everybody. So that's the uh, where we are right now. And uh, the issue is we have a special prosecutor for Trump. We have a special prosecutor for Biden. Is Merrick Garland, Attorney General, going to appoint another prosecutor? Are we just going to keep having special prosecutors every time this happens? I don't know. What do you guys feel about all this? Well, I mean, I think there's a misconception about what is classified material because it's a huge, broad category. And what Trump had was top secret and top secret compartmental, compartmentalized. And those are the crown jewels of top secret material. This is not just what could be labeled as some kind of classified material, which could be as, as low as confidential. And we know that throughout history, people have briefings where confidential materials included and could easily have been mm -hmm. placed in, you know, several pages in thousands of documents that are taken into someone's library. We don't know exactly, obviously, mm -hmm. what Biden and Pence had, but, you know, just saying classified material could be anything to the lowest level. Yeah, it also could just, you know, completely outdated. I mean, like, let's say the Reagan library, they went in and next week it's like, oh, my God, we found classified documents in the Reagan library. And one of the documents is, we think the Berlin Wall is coming down. <laughs> like, OK, uh, you know what I mean? It's yeah. classified how many years ago, but it's not really that important today. Trump, one of the documents was about China and the China. 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 I'm sorry. Nuclear secrets. The nuclear secrets. So, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, but it, it's really it fast. It's a fascinating thing. And it certainly, uh, you know, dominates the news in a way that it shouldn't because it's all about hypocrisy and false equivalencies. And uh, all you need is just one little morsel of truth for the other side to blow it up and create mass hysteria. The other issue in our two big things is mass shootings and gun violence, which seems to just be 
out of control. It's like we are living in a nation of savages. I mean, there's been how many, you know, in, in the past eight days, 10 days, there's been like four shootings. I think they were all in California, mass shootings, which I think legally or technically is defined as three or more people dying, believe it or not. And it's like, when is this going to end? And this is one of the things that I'm really looking forward to discussing with Shannon Watts when we talk with her for our next episode, because it, there just doesn't seem to be an end in sight. Maddie, Jen? Something that I, I read something that struck me as interesting. It says mass shooters are not the victims, but in order to prevent future tragedies, we must treat the underlying pathologies that feed the shooters despair. And I guess I hadn't thought about it so much from the shooter's despair point of view until I started reading about it this week, you know, more carefully. And I just, I think it's just, it's not just about gun reform. There's, there are other issues that need to be addressed. Yeah, and I just want to go back to what you're saying about what's happening. In the first three weeks of January, we've had 39 mass shootings mm -hmm. and 69 people killed. And just one thing that on last Wednesday, I think the Secret Service came out with a 60-page report which looked at four years of mass shootings and found that one quarter of those mass shootings were based on conspiracy ideology. Mm. And, that's well, that's, that, and that's a whole other issue about the radicalization of people in this country and white nationalism, and which is raging out of control. As At the same time, you do see a rise in racist, anti-Semitic hate crimes and racism and anti-Semitism. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's mind-boggling that Americans seem to refuse to accept or understand, or at least the politicians do, that there's a direct correlation between countries in this world that have the strictest gun laws and also the fewest gun deaths. We're literally like such a backward nation when it comes to this issue. Um, so that brings us to a couple of honorable mentions. We're going to make an exception this week and very briefly talk about a couple of other quick things. One of which was the breaking news that came out last night. It was a part of a New York Times story, and it's still a much in development. But it's that when former Attorney General William Barr, who was Trump's boy, um, was part of the administration, he personally believed that there was some kind of intelligence conspiracy and a crime was committed stemming from the whole steel dossier russia gate in, in an attempt to bring down trump and then they also wanted to tie in hillary clinton into that that she was part of that you know the democrats funded the dossier blah 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 and it was just all this big conspiracy to take down during the campaign for presidency and so he appointed john durham as special prosecutor to look into it and you know years have been, have gone by. I think it was four years since he's been appointed. And it, it led to nowhere. And we learned last night through the New York Times that not only was Barr applying all kinds of pressure on Durham to, to dig up dirt, but like him and Durham, like they traveled to London and Italy and met with all these sources and still came up with nothing. But the irony is that the source in Italy said, oh, by the way, we have some other information about financial crimes that Mr. Trump is potentially guilty of. And they kind of looked at each other like dogs, tilting their heads, and like, oh, okay. And so Durham investigated this, came up with nothing, that declined to press any charges. But the irony is that this investigation, this big nothing burger that started over Russiagate, literally did end up with the specter of crime, criminality, in, in a totally surprising way for Barr. And what did they do? Did they bring this to the, into the public? Did they do what former FBI Director James Comey did two weeks before the election and say, hey, we're investigating Hillary Clinton? No, no, he didn't. They didn't. And we just learned about this yesterday. Yesterday. So literally, Barr held this information that Trump was the subject of a federal criminal investigation before the election didn't make that public didn't disclose it anywhere to anyone and as of today we still have no idea what this source tipped them off to we have no idea what that investigation yielded is he guilty of something and we just don't know it because they didn't they decided to sweep it under the rug and so there's a lot of questions that are going to need to come out so 
This is a developing story, and I sense it's going to develop in a really interesting way. I mean, it's like everything else the Republicans have been doing since Trump came to office. It's a performative investigation. It wasn't an investigation to begin with. Barr made him do it essentially as a, basically to be yes. make Trump happy. Fealty to Trump, which is, you know, look, Barr, he wrote that famous infamous letter, you know, which, which is was his job interview in a sense, giving him his strategy to basically break crimes and stay in office. It's just unbelievable. So we're going we're gonna to follow that. And uh, I think it's going to, you know, just like when you think the Trump administration couldn't have been any swampier or more corrupt, somehow, miraculously, we learn that, no, it, it actually was. There's just no bottom. There's no bottom to what these people did. The other honorable mention, real quick, is that today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. And too many people forget. Too many people deny. Too many people lie. A lot of the people who suffered during that genocide, they're dying off. It's just like the world is forgetting that the Holocaust existed. <clears throat> and uh, we, we can't do that. So this is an important day. That brings us to our winners and losers for the week. Maddie, Jen? Yes, my winner is a real hero. It happened last Saturday evening. 26-year-old Brandon Say just he never had any arms training or anything like that and he stopped the monterey park shooter from basically killing we don't know how many more people and he is a true hero for doing that my loser is trump attorney john eastman who the california bar association has now charged with 11 counts of attorney ethics violations because he basically lied constantly and could not possibly have believed what he was saying about Trump winning the election. Jen? Mm -hmm. My winner is uh, different. My winner is Brett Kavanaugh. My anger was reignited with the secret submission to the Sundance Film Festival. This man is appointed for life as a Supreme Court justice and was instrumental in overturning Roe versus Wade. And um, he is going to be successful. And for that, he's a winner. Mm -hmm. uh, my loser is the FBI. Because Deborah Ramirez, one of the women who accused Kavanaugh of sexual assault during the confirmation hearings, it turned out that the FBI interviewed Ramirez and her attorneys say that the FBI never followed up with the 20 witnesses who might have been able to corroborate her story. And the FBI didn't investigate 4,500 tips about his sexual misconduct. And I do feel that moving forward, the FBI can do better with women and sexual violence against women. And that's my rant. Mm -hmm. uh, my winner of the week, Donald Trump, who greatly benefits every time classified documents are found in other politicians' homes and offices. My loser, Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, who claimed this week that the classified documents matter has, quote, diminished President Biden. And that brings me to my weekly rant. I want to talk about Dick Durbin. Senator Durbin, saying last Sunday on CNN's State of the Union that the mishandled classified documents saga diminishes President Biden's stature. I generally admire and respect Durbin. He's the quintessential, classy, affable Midwesterner, uh, normally a voice of reason and patriotism floating on a wooden board like Leo in Titanic in dark, dangerous, MAGA-infested waters. But on this, I got to say Durbin is way off base. I'm so sick and tired of Democrats bending over backwards to appease the corrupt traitors across the aisle who attack Biden but are dead silent on Trump while they also reward a lying sociopathic piece of shit like George Santos. Their feigned moral outrage and shameless hypocrisy is stunning. You know, if you take away Biden's sloppiness with about 30 documents over a scandal-free 50-year career, he's downright squeaky clean and boring. Yet that doesn't stop Democrats like Durbin from impugning Biden's character and fueling the MAGA insanity with their holier-than-thou, we're-so-above-this sanctimony. Durbin prefaced his diminished comment with, quote, let's be honest about it. His half-hearted attempt to tamp down the whataboutisms and false equivalencies lacked punch and instead normalizes them and gives them oxygen. We need Democrats to aggressively and unequivocally condemn Trump and the GOP for being corrupt, treasonous, and unprecedentedly dangerous to America. But that would be too incendiary for Durbin, 
who seems careful not to be accused of being his first name. He's too nice a guy. Truth is, my party is filled with nice guys whacking off to bipartisanship fantasies. But Democrats need fighters, not nice guys. That brings us to Kara Swisher. She is host of On with Kara Swisher and co-host of the Pivot podcast. She's also editor-at-large of New York Magazine and the former host of Sway and Recode Decode podcasts and the co-founder of the technology website Recode. Considered the top reporter in the tech game, Kara has been reporting on the industry since the early 1990s. She was there when Amazon was looking for its first headquarters in Seattle, when Google was in its garage, and when Netflix was just a small startup. Once called Silicon Valley's most feared but revered journalist, she's established herself as the oracle of the tech world with unrivaled access to the industry's most significant leaders. And you can follow Kara on Twitter, at Kara Swisher. Welcome into the back room. Thank you so much, Andy. It's, a, it's an honor for you to be here. I consider you podcast <laughs> royalty. Oh, thank you. It's an honor for me to be here? Yes, it is. Yes. It's an honor for me to be here. No, it's an honor for me to, for you <laughs> oh, okay. to be you here. Just said what, for me. I, okay. Oh, did yeah, I say? That's right. Yes, you did. How, how Freudian of you. How so Freudian ahead. of There you go. Oh, boy, this is going to be fun. No, so I was going to say you, you are like the queen of podcasts. And you, also, am, you also remind me of like sure. a rock star. You know how a rock star, when they have their band, but then they go off and they yeah. do... Like you're involved yeah. in a lot of different podcasts, but unlike Mick Jagger when he went solo, you actually have a good solo podcast career. Yes, so I you, do. You're yeah, the several, opposite of several. Jagger. You yeah. prove yeah, that it can be done. I started. Yeah. Yeah, I started with interviews, so yeah. it's my my comfort area. So and what does your sweatshirt say? Car- I said it says lesbian suit tech. Lesbian suit tech. Oh, yeah, I got to get one of those. Says, well, no, queer inclusive badass is on the back. So, and then my name. I'm on the squad, uh-huh. Tech squad. It's a conference, and it's it's in San Francisco every year, and it's quite big. It's shockingly big, and I interview pretty famous people at the conference because they they love it. It's a huge room full of screaming tech lesbians, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> All right, Mark I'm, Benioff, Lorraine I'm going to let that one go and not to comment Sanford. on that because I uh, don't. Please don't do a Scott <laughs> Galloway and cancel yourself. <laughs> My tendency is to literally like ram through that, but I'm not going yeah, to. Yeah, you can uh, if you want. Nah, it's okay. So before we get into the meteor stuff, I want to just peel back a little bit of an onion layer with sure. you. And, you know, one of the th- ways we do that here in the back room is to uh, try to get a window into people's souls. And so he asked oh, two questions, okay. one at the beginning, okay. one at the end. The first one being, are you a dog or a cat person? Both. I have both. Oh, cool. What kind of dog? And I have... I have Terrier mix a mutt. I get them from the. I got them from the from the ASPCA mm-hmm. um, in San Francisco, and a cat. Same thing from San Francisco ASPCA. And oh. do, in this era of toxin partisanship, do they get along? Yeah, they have to. Mm-hmm. They well, have I have to, two yeah, dogs and two cats, and they've been you living together about nine years, and they still act like they just met. Oh, really? Yeah, no, it's kind of bizarre. No, no, not me. Oh. No, they get along just fine. And so when you were young, I want to know when you were young, like what was young Kara Swisher like? When did you... The same. The same. <laughs> so the you same were... As old. I was just talking to someone, you know, there's, I was with my family and they're like, you're exactly the same you were when you were... So you had a couple of podcasts and you were... And a couple of podcasts mm-hmm. and wore headphones everywhere uh-huh. as a child. No, I, I was, you know, outspoken. I was, um, I, uh, I was obstreperous for a girl. I was considered... You know, I was too confident. A lot of people were saying that to me very early on, teachers and things like that. So I was similar. I, don't, I haven't changed a whole lot. I mm-hmm. really, I said what I wanted to say. I asked a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I think I was pretty good at school. And I, I haven't changed a lot. I'll be honest with you. I haven't. I know people are just develop over time, but <laughs> I was just like this then. Uh, that's either a great thing or, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, something interesting. Yeah. But uh, you know, so I just turned sixty. I just turned sixty, and all, all my friends were like, "You haven't changed a bit, like not once." These are friends from back in the day. From my years, all my years. Uh-huh. I, I have friends for decades. Yeah, right? me too. I get together with a yeah. bunch of guys from like when I was ten years old and, and yeah. junior high yeah. school. And, um, interest in business and tech. Like, were you like a little tech kid? I mean, we didn't no, have much tech no, back then. No, there wasn't then. tech. There yeah, wasn't right. tech. You know, but I mean, like any kind of gadgety thing. Like, were you interested Definitely. in science and no, laboratories? No, I was terrible at science and math. I was just mm-hmm. the worst. Um, I was an English person. I was a very good writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, I was good at history. Um, I was I worked for 
the newspapers in college and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I was media focused, writing focused. And so, no, I was not science focused at all mm-hmm. in any way. And you're bad at it. Your dad died when you were five. five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that resonates with me because my daughter's mom died when she was three. So I, oh, I've wow. been raising child since she was actually two and three quarters when oh. Adrian died. How do you, is there something that you feel uh, either in a positive way or a negative way really I majorly think, impacted you that losing well, a parent the that young? Is, the death is negative and it's hugely impactful. But in a weird way, I always reference this book called The Lost That Is Forever. It's about people whose parents have died at a young age. And one of the things it says, and I think it's absolutely right, is you become highly functional because the worst thing in your life is a, has happened to you right. at an age. I mean, because your parents are your whole life when you're five or younger. And and they're, they're, they're 100% of your life. It's like if 50% of your friends die, right? That mm-hmm. would really impact you as an adult. And so you tend to be very, when things happen, you're like, oh, well, my parent died. It's not going to be that bad. And mm-hmm. so it gives you a resilience uh, that you that you maybe not have. And you, you do have a sense that life could end at any time. You have an idea that you don't have a lot of time. It gives you a really good sense of time ticking away and so i think it makes you more functional and it's there's all kinds of study Fun- people who are parents have died are very functional people and it, that's is that a bad thing well it's a terrible thing that already happened and so i guess that's a good thing and awareness of death has been something i talk about a lot and it's really important to me it's understanding that you could go at any time and therefore you should do what you want and i think it's reinforced my nature which was moving forward quickly and i would imagine too and i've talked about this with my daughter there is some sense of you know, it being liberated in the sense that, you know, like you said, the, you know, mm-hmm. you've been able to withstand something so horrible and mm-hmm. so profoundly, you know, from a loss standpoint that you mm-hmm. may, may feel empowered that you can overcome yes. I, I, just about I anything. I think that's the case. I think you, what you do is you get this sense of just like, you know, if someone says something shitty to you at school when you're in eighth grade, you're like, I don't care. Like it just, uh, it literally takes the shine off of everything mm-hmm. that could really upset you. And I, it, that is 100% true for me, for sure. For yeah, sure. I, I, I know. I definitely like, do not get upset, I think. Yeah, I, in a, in, indirect, but like when my wife, uh, who was murdered in 2006, oh. uh, which was a very shocking, sudden loss, up to that point, I had been one of those like Larry David types who worried about everything, always sweated the small stuff. And mm-hmm. since that mm-hmm. period, for me, it's been very liberating that, yeah, you know, it's like, what else can happen that I That's can't correct. get that I can't get through? A um, terrible way to learn a lesson, right. I have to say. It's not the one I would have, but you do it's I think that's probably like that with a major illness or, or anything else that you have yourself, is that everything gets put into perspective pretty quickly. Well, I think people um, do lack perspective in life and sometimes yeah, unfortunately they do. we they think we, it's gonna go on forever. Yeah. You know, my daughter was dawdling this morning. And, you know, getting in the car and looking at this and I'll look at the seat and this and that. And now we were late and I was and I, I said something to her and I remember catching myself. I'm like, do you think you have all the time in the world? Right. And she said, yes. And I she's how old? Three. I have four kids, but that she's a, that's a deep conversation for a three. Yeah, a three it was. But, you know, and I don't know why I came out with it. I said that. And she's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, you do. You don't, but okay. Yeah. Like, but she, that's how she sees time. Is well, but even if you life. say that to adults, the average adult, unless they've been through something horrible, doesn't have that perspective and they don't. No, they haven't. They know. don't. They don't. But I, I saying it, I just stopped myself. I'm like, oh my God, she does think she has all the time. Yeah, she's like, mom, I'm three. What are you, what's Your going on here? Your life has been one endless, fantastic thing after the next. Yeah, like, three. It doesn't get, parents. I used to tell my kids, like when you're three, like it just enjoy this because it's only yeah, downhill exactly. from here. <laughs> no, I don't think that. So one of the fascinating things from your past that I found was that you you worked on the McLaughlin group. I did. Yeah, I, lo- I, did. I used to love that show. I used to uh, love him as a character because he was yeah, always he screaming like, issue one. And I always yeah. wondered if he was that way at home, like when he's just like, issue one, do we have milk in the fridge? Like, yeah, no. Is he always screaming? You know what? He created a comical character, but he wasn't funny. Yeah, well, you said, he and was, I quote, he abused, yeah. well, he abused staff and, and sexually harassed women. And here's the quote. I'm, he, he died of prostate cancer. And you said, I am so I glad he's dead. Seriously, I'm yeah, glad he's dead. I, did. I am. He was a jackass and he deserved it. Ouch. Yeah. So you still feel yeah. that way? Or are you, you going to walk any of that back ever? Or do you feel that? Uh, that's... No, no. I'm okay. glad he's dead. No, I, he was a terrible person. He was abusive to women and, and the staff wow. too, not just women, men and men. And 
he never he was a person who wielded power in the most malevolent of ways so wow. no, I'm like no it, it's so right. weird when you watch a show like that as i did religiously yeah. you that we we don't get to see that stuff right. you know here's right. just I mean, curmudgeonly old political guy sunday morning yeah. and you know right but he was you know the problem was he knew better and he's smart like one of the smartest people I, i've worked for very uh insightful good business person understood what he was his little show there his little mm -hmm. act he sort of ushered in the era of screaming television right that he was the first right um and he made entertainment out of news mm -hmm. and that was cool in a lot of ways although at the same time it's like wow you've made entertainment out of news of important events right you you put them on a scale of one you know, i think one was nuclear armageddon 10 was peace in our time or whatever and so he used his skills which were vast for um, the dumbing down of America, which, look, I don't want to, I'm not lecturing. People can be entertained by anything they want. But mm -hmm. I think he did create, a, he entered us into an era of his pro wrestling, news as pro wrestling. And that's w where we definitely are today. Mm -hmm. if you Unfortunately. Yeah, yes. But now we think it's unfortunate that it was entertaining because it was unusual, right? Right. And so I think he did invent that in a lot of ways and, and that you have to give him credit for it. And so he um, he's an interesting character. He's an interesting character, but I, I'm glad he's dead. I'm sorry. Look, I'm the first one to say there's a lot of people in this dead. world who shouldn't be here. Yeah, so I'm yeah, not, I'm not afraid like, to I say that. I don't that. want to kill anyone off, but he's dead and that the world is yeah. better for him. There's a few, um, a few on my list who he, shall go uh, name, nameless. It was interesting <clears> working <throat> for the show. Mm -hmm. he, he, it was interesting working for the show because it was, uh, I got to a very big insight into that idea of circus, news is circus. And secondly, this shaving of real news mm. to opinion and uninformed opinion and yet pretending it was opinion. That all started that, and it sort of was a precursor to what happened on the internet or mm -hmm. on cable television. What was your role on the show? I wrote his column, and then he put in the right-wing invective. Uh, I ghostwrote his column, and then I uh, wrote... You mean you didn't have the right-wing invective on your own? No, I didn't. It wasn't like chock-full like, of no, like just, extreme no, MAGA-type no, stuff? Him. Well, it, it, you know, we would love to go back to that era because he was reasonable, right? That If you look was, at his stuff, it's not that. He was practically Barney Frank by comparison. Yes, exactly. But, uh, you know, we just, I would just add it and then work on script, like on one, you know, one nuclear Armageddon, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It was fun, mm -hmm. but it was, uh, I had a very clear sense, even at 22 or three years old, that this was bullshit. Issue one, nice boobs. Yeah. Yes, I know. Yeah. And he was so, he was so sexy. Like he <laughs> well, was, seems like they the all were, of, right? They all were. Uh, he really, he took action. Like, but he was sort of the old timey <laughs> kind of sexist where he chased girls around uh, death. Oh my God. That's crazy. I suppose that's quaint. I suppose. I suppose you could I get, well, I mean, if you're Trump, maybe. Yeah. That's. Yeah, I guess. But still, um, So you started the On with Kara Swisher podcast. Mm -hmm. You were also with Scott Galloway that's on recent. Pivot, two of the highest ranking podcasts mm -hmm. out there in the world mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. what is the secret sauce with you guys what makes those podcasts well, us, pivots different you know i had done recode decode i started doing mm -hmm. podcasts 10 around 10 years ago way before they were a thing mm -hmm. and um i had been running a website and i said i like podcasts and i'm gonna go i always do that i shift like i had started doing that blog stuff way before everybody else mm -hmm. did and I just took one single person to do it from the staff, and that was it. And I just moved. I stopped being editor of a very successful mm -hmm. section. Why do you think it's and, so pop? Why do you think your podcast is so popular? Uh, mine? Um, well, I think the interview, I already knew my events were super popular. We sold out all the time because mm -hmm. I gave straightforward interviews with mm -hmm. powerful people where you actually learned something versus, you know, talking points. And so I, I knew there were lots more interesting people to talk to. And I took my inspiration from all kinds of interviewers, you know, Tom Snyder, Barbara Walters, um, Edward Murrow. There, there was a long tradition of really good interviewers, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so I thought that I, I sort of took my inspiration from them. And so I always knew people liked that. And they, and I bet that substance was more important than uh, anything else. And I think people like that I asked direct questions. In mm -hmm. that case, that's what happens there. You could be a little crusty. And, yeah, and not then... really. No, see, no, I, I'm not. I'm asking direct questions. I don't agree with people, but I don't think I disagree uh, unfairly. I, mm -hmm. You know, I was just listening to an old Mark Zuckerberg interview, and I kept asking, who's responsible for this? Who's going to pay accountability? And he said, well, I guess I made it, so I should be. And I said, but you're not going to fire yourself, are you? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, do you want me to? And I said, well, if, 
if you want to go down that alley, sure, you're responsible mm-hmm. for this, but you're never going to be fired. And so I don't think I was being difficult or crushed. No, 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 no. And, and I was listening to a clip of you and Andrew Yang, for example, mm-hmm. and he was oh, at, yeah. he was talking to you about running for mayor in San Francisco. Yeah. And you yeah. were saying that I'm not qualified and I don't want to do it. And yeah. then you said something to the effect of, and quite frankly, this is what the problem people have with you running for office. Yes, exactly. That's and like, correct. So, so I think that's your secret sauce is like, yes, and, yes, and, yeah, and yeah, Krusty that, wasn't meant is... to be a pejorative. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know. But I think it's just, I'm sort of telling the truth. Like, mm-hmm. come on, you're kidding me, right? And I think I did that with Jon Stewart, who I get along with great, actually. And I think he appreciated it was... You're not as relevant as you were. Why? What? Why are you? Why? What's going on with you not being relevant? And he's like, "Well, I'm relevant." I'm like, "But you aren't." Like, be honest. Like, and now he is much more. So the show's really developed, and mm-hmm. so we had a great discussion about that because mm-hmm. he was highly relevant, and then he wasn't. And so um, I think I just sort of someone called me casually cruel, but I don't think that's the case either. I was pointing out the uh, I think I point out the obvious <laughs> when I do interviews. Casually and, cruel. Uh, casually cruel. I know, isn't it? That's a little oxymoronic, I'd say. But I know. Um, <laughs> So, but I think, and then with Pivot, it's a chemistry between Scott mm-hmm. and I, and it's and we talk substantively about big issues mm-hmm. that are funny. We're funny, we're useful, uh, we're entertaining, we're useful, and you can't get that chemistry from anybody, anyone else. You can't, mm-hmm. can't replicate that, and that's sort of you know lightning in a bottle kind of stuff. Do you think that the the pod is popular because of the reasons we're talking about? Because People at home don't see that kind of directness in the mainstream yeah. media. That they don't, they don't, they don't see the hosts on CNN and MSNBC mm-hmm. pushing back and being aggressive so that way. Pushing, well, that's one thing—the pushing back. Because sometimes the pushing back is really snarky. Like, you know, I, I don't think if you listen to it, I think most people. What I get when I people stop me in the street is like, "Oh, you finally asked the question, and you were direct." Direct is the word I hear a lot from mm-hmm. fans, um, and I think they there's a lot of like. So, senators, some people say that this is like it's just so sneaky and ridiculous. Right. And I'm like, look, like when I Amy Klobuchar, everyone I talk to says your bill's not going to pass. Can you explain to me how it's happening? And it didn't pass, you know, because I did good reporting, and so I base it on reporting versus um, just my cockamamie idea. Like when I go on cable, it was interesting. I was on one of them. I can't remember which one the other day. And they moved to another topic of which I have no expertise in. And the host said, Kara, what do you think? I said, I have no thoughts on this. And they're like, well, yeah, but what's your opinion? I said, I, have, I don't know what it would be. It would be remiss of me to talk about things I don't know about. And they were like, well, what? and then the other person did. And I know they didn't know. And, and they didn't know what to do. I was like, I'm not going to make any comment. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm talking about. So I don't know why you'd listen to me. And it was really interesting, and it was a it, it was a moment. And I'm often on TV with people, for example, and I was I can't remember who it was, but they were saying something about Facebook, and I was like, "That's inaccurate." And well, that's what I think. I'm like, "Yeah, but you're inaccurate, so maybe you shouldn't talk like it, that kind mm-hmm. of thing." And I think I tend to say like I don't talk about things I don't know about. I mm-hmm. try not to talk about things. I I cannot be bullied into it by cable news hosts. I'm like, no. Well, I, I guess that's the reason why the pods are popular. Yours, yes. Because so people want to just, they want to get to the truth and they don't want to hear bullshit right. and spin and obfuscation yes. and all that. And, and that's what you're, you're giving them. Yeah, reader, readers definitely can hear that I'm, I'm saying what I know and mm-hmm. I'm trying my best to be accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think people like that. Now, you so, also no. are involved, uh, was it the Yellowstone podcast? No. Or, or succession. succession. I'd love to be involved in a Yellowstone. I love Yellowstone. I love Yellowstone. Yeah. But now, success, so how did you, how did that come about? Uh, I was doing stuff for uh, Richard Plepler, who runs HBO. We used to run HBO, uh, asked me many years ago to do a Game of Thrones event they were having to interview the creators and the, and the writer, or the, the author of the book. And I did it at this huge, fantastic event because I was known for interviews. So we did it and we put it on our podcast because people loved Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, we did that and it worked out really well. And then the next year there was this new show called Silicon Valley. And mm-hmm. they said, would you like to interview the cast if it's a hit? And it was a hit and the people in Silicon Valley loved it. And so I did an event and I put it up on my podcast. And so every year with HBO, I've been doing a different thing. Like, And mm-hmm. I like HBO and I'm a fan of of um the show i was an advisor to the show actually when they were working on it and um i just give them ideas and put them in touch with the right people etc cetera, etc cetera. and so we um 
we did that. And then during pandemic, they couldn't do events, which I used to do. I would have done probably interviewed the cast of it for some mm-hmm. event, some live event. And so instead they're like, well, can we do a podcast? And I said, oh yeah, that sounds good. I'm a huge fan of the show. And I just started doing it. And so it was more enjoyment for me. Mm-hmm. And then we did a kind of a cool thing, which was they had been interviewing cast members. And after a while that gets, you know, you can only interview them so many seasons. And so what I did is I, whatever the topic was on the show, uh, I found the real life equivalent person had them and had and interviewed them about it. And mm, so whether, whether the show was accurate. So that was an interesting way. And so like there was a whole scene with the president of the United States and the press secretary. So I got a presidential press secretary to say, that's not how it would go down. Here's how, or, or that was pretty fucking accurate. Mm. Um, I had Mark Cuban talk about, uh, come in and when there was an investor and there was a fight over control of the company and there was a activist event, I called him and they didn't interview him. Um, and so it, it was stuff like that. Uh, it, there was a part, there was a crazy party on one show uh, where they had, remember the, they walked through the womb, whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. It was funny. Um, and so I called the most famous party planner in media and tech and they talked about doing events and talked about their events that they made. And so that was cool. So I was trying to bring real life examples to what they were doing on screen. So obviously. when actors walk through vaginas, you want it to be, vaginas. you want well, accuracy, you want it to be yeah. accurate. But as it turned out, this party planner had made one of those. Uh, you know, they, this stuff really? doesn't come from nowhere. Yeah, why why yeah, am I not yeah. surprised? No, I know. And those parties, and I had been to some parties that looked just like that. So, that wow. was, you know. so did I hear like a Yellowstone promo or something that you did? Or I, what Oh, I, I did. Have... They, they bought an ad on oh, my okay. podcast. That's, that's what I heard. Yeah, I so, read it. Are all right, kidding? so Succession was the I pod. Love, actually, I'll be honest with you. I like 1883 the best. Mm-hmm. I'm now watching 1923. I like Yellowstone. It's gotten a bit of a hot mess after a while. You're like, stop. It's got, you know, the way all these, I'm a big fan of like Dallas and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Falcon Crest and all those shows. And so I, when I was a kid, and so I like these, that that's the equivalent, I think. And so I love Yellowstone. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I think I'm two I, episodes away from Chevy being Bolt. done. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. So it's my Chevy show. Bolt, I talk about it incessantly mm-hmm. and Chevy Ford is now a, Sponsor. And so, Succession, great show a, too. Uh, GM, GM is now. So speaking of ruthless, immoral, wealthy business people, let's mm-hmm. talk for a minute about our, <laughs> our favorite subject, uh, Elon oh, Musk, who you've been following and reporting on and covering since the 90s Started. when you were at uh, mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal. For guys like me and younger people even, what, yeah. would, what, what would you say is the, the number one difference between the 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 non-douchey Elon Musk probably from that period to the guy we see today who is either loved or hated. It don't, doesn't seem like there's much room in the middle with him. What, what well, What's changed in his know, persona? Well, he always had this, these aspects to him. He kind of has a juvenile sense of, he thinks he's real funny when he's not. And everyone laughs along with him because he's the richest guy in the world. So, but there's a difference between that and tweeting out yeah. Paul Pelosi uh, shit. Yes, I agree. I agree. I, I couldn't believe he did that. Mm-hmm. I, I was shocked. I could see him make a joke with it personally and say nothing, like in a, with friends, I suppose. But that was sort of weird. Um, you know, it's sort of the right wingification of a lot of tech people. They really have moved right uh, at these companies because they feel under siege. They feel aggrieved. They feel the government is unfair to them, although the government's never laid a hand on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, 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 that's everything is personal. Uh, the personal is political and they have no sense of anything beyond themselves because they're giant narcissists. And so um, that's why he does it. It's, oh, I'm hurt because Biden didn't mention me a speech about EVs and therefore I must attack the whole Biden administration like that. It's like, well, how did it affect me? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I think what's happened is he, he always had these tendencies to be juvenile in his jokes and to, uh, you know, do memes, that kind of stuff. But now he's got unlimited power and can do whatever he wants. He just doesn't, it doesn't no, there's nobody to stop him or to say anything. And he eliminates people like myself who disagree with him, mm-hmm. um, who have disagreed with him in the past. And, and he doesn't like anybody disagreeing with him. And he, everybody who is around him works for him. But and I see, you mentioned before that it's like, he said something about Paul Pelosi and it was weird. But I look at him and, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree with me, but I, I see so many parallels between him and Donald Trump, so yeah. many parallels between his fan base, fanboy base, and the MAGAs. Yeah. Like, if you just 
yeah. tweet something negative to Elon Musk or comment negative, the shit that comes back at you, it's like it it's does. like listening to the Trump cult. It's the same it, it, thing. It so with it Musk, really you know, is it like under the umbrella of weird or is there something really wrong with him? Because I read some of his stuff and I'm like, is he a sociopath? Is he is there something else going on here clinically, um, pathologically that I I am not a doctor. I think he's just he is surrounded by people who agree with him all the time. I, I and but so are a lot of people, forces. and they don't go to not, the extreme that he's gone well, to. Well, I think he's got you know he's talked about his own struggles with mental illness. He's talked about his he thinks he was manic depressive. I think he said that at one point. I don't I don't know if he's ever been clinically diagnosed. Um, he's obviously got a, a, you know he's obviously narcissistic. Mm -hmm. Anything that relates to him. And I think it just gets the more and more you live in this weird little Twitter universe where everyone's saying attaboy, you, it becomes that way. And there's nobody, he puts nobody there to stop him. The people who would say something, I, I say his ex-wife or others, he, he zones out. And so, you know, there's a lot of people who said no to him and he gets rid of them. And therefore everyone's like, that was great when you said that, or don't apologize for that. And so if you're living in that world and you're, you know, you live, you go from, you know, speaking of succession, one of the really things I think they do well is they show how much a prison this is. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you're in the most comfortable prison in the world, full of cashmere and delicious foods. But the, the planes get bigger and the and the um, and your world gets smaller. Right. You're never encountering mm -hmm. real people saying you're a fucking asshole. Mm -hmm. Like, what the hell, dude? And, and you don't have to listen to them and you can zone them out. And I think ultimately it warps you. And if you have issues around mental illness or you have a family that thinks this is great i think he has a family around him that i find feral i don't know what else to call them who also get paid by him you know what i mean i think nobody's there to say i don't know if my son were doing stuff like this i'd be like listen you asshole and then we would have a talk right mm -hmm. so uh, and and you don't you don't have someone willing to risk that uh for for their for their comfortable life so that's but, what you get it, 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 but is that the reason like i listened to your uh debate with the mooch um mm -hmm. oh yeah and uh he's a nice guy he is and we've had him on and i got to know him through twitter too like you did yeah what i the main takeaway that i t that i had from that debate was you sort of flipping the the, the theme of the mm -hmm. debate which was is is Musk killing Twitter? And you were like, is Twitter killing Musk? Which is mm -hmm. kind of a little bit like what you were just referring to. Well, it's a drug. It's a drug. But a drug. It, and, and the, the whole notion of like, so people say, why did he buy Twitter? I mean, if you really think about it, why wouldn't he? If he's all the things you said he is and I believe he is, like you can't get mm -hmm. that same kind of adulation or platform at SpaceX. You can't get it at Tesla because mm -hmm. you're yeah. also dealing with shareholders, right? And you've got fiduciary yeah, responsibilities right. in well, that regard. He doesn't listen to shareholders, but okay. But, sure. but, but, but now all of a sudden, you, wait a second, I could buy the town square. I could put a big gate yeah. up. I could put mm -hmm. guards at the at the entrance. Yep. I can only let in people who agree with me. Right. I could throw people like, okay, get to the part that we don't understand why he bought Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, no, I got it. Yeah, I got well, it completely. I understand. You get it, but so yeah. many people are like, well, why did he buy? Well, why did he, he bother to, doing this? He also this? has a, he has a bigger influence around the world too because you know dictators love it. Um, he has it helps his other businesses in a weird way because he's the owner of Twitter. It gets, mm -hmm. him, it gets him attention, right? It's like Donald Trump running for president. Well, yeah, he said yesterday that he met with uh, McCarthy and Hakeem Jeffries, and he posted yep. this bullshit about you know Twitter. Didn't meet with him again. The platform's going to be Jeffries. fair. I convinced them that the platform he, he will be fair. He ran into Hakeem Jeffries in the hallway, from what I understand. Yeah, so a, a that's bullshit. But the whole the the point of his tweet was that this is a platform that's going to be fair and balanced. But this yeah. is a guy who basically tweets nothing but positivity towards Republicans and, and negativity right. towards Democrats. Is he ever going to be capable of achieving either what he says or what people hope that he's going to achieve with Twitter? I, I don't think a single person owning an entity like this is ever going to, no matter if they're all, if he was like very lefty, I wouldn't like it either. Right. Um, I think this is just it's owned by it's not the public square. It's a it's a private square owned by the one of the world's richest people, and if we if we see it in that light, mm -hmm. you know what you're going to get. As long as you understand what it is, it is he's not here to help humanity. He talks about that. He's not here to like you know maybe his cars will, maybe the rockets will. I don't know, 
But again, it's not about him, right? He's here to save us. Oh, thank you. So I think that was, you know, the last person who did that was Jesus. And I really don't feel like the comparable is good. No, right? look, look how and it so, turned out and for Jesus him. Also, <laughs> Jesus didn't keep saying, hey, I'm Jesus, by the way, and I'm here to save you. They yeah. Jesus was quite humble. He was more like, uh, Jesus Christ, can you get me off this right, cross? Right, exactly. And um, so he, he just these people have these Jesus complexes. And by the way, Jesus would be horrified. Well, Donald is orange Jesus. Yeah. So I, in your the debate, only one the language, right? Is the same. Well, the, the the evangelicals who now hate him put him up and made him the prophet. They'll but still vote for him. Of course they will. In your debate with Mooch, and Mooch is not the only one who believes this, but you know he was saying things like he believes Trump will. Uh, there's another Freudian slip. Uh, Musk will get there and basically self-correct over time. I look at Musk and I'm like, why would we show me one piece of evidence to, for us to think this man is ever going to self-correct in the way that people are referring to? What, what, what do you think? When he runs out of money, I guess. I don't know. I mean, he won't run out of money and he'll, he has rich friends. So, no, what, what has something dramatic has to happen. Or it would, why? Why? This is, he's having the time of his life. Why would he self-correct? He enjoys it. He enjoys difficulty. He enjoys yelling at people. He enjoys being like every day he does something like putting Nick Fuentes on and then kicking him off the same day. Did that have any thought to it? Why put him on if you're going to take him off? Why not just leave him on? Like he just wants to create constant attention and drama around him mm -hmm. and he lives for it. And so there's nothing. He's 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 addicted to the fame. And so, mm -hmm. you know, he reminds me a bit of Howard Hughes now. Mm, interesting parallel. Including where it will all end up you know, <laughs> eventually. Issue one. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, is Trump going to be tweeting soon, you think? And I also want to ask you about know. your tweeting. You seem to have yeah. been a little cryptic last I, night with something. Yeah, or... I just I just am not doing it anymore. I just it's not worthwhile for me. And it doesn't you know, one of the dirty secrets of people who run media empires is Twitter doesn't really get you listeners. It just doesn't. It gets a lot of noise and mm -hmm. it gets a lot of heat, but it does not get a lot of pay. LinkedIn was more effective when I ran Recode. Everything is more effective than Twitter. Everything. So you're Twitter not tweeting anymore now? Nah. I'm, I'm As of today? I'm done. No, just in general. No, I have my thing. It's there. What I do is I'm on post. I don't like Mastodon. It's too hard to use. So I'm on post. I'm helping advise them a little bit. And I'm just sending it over to Twitter. But you know what I mean? I'm not one of these people that have to huff and leave. I just don't use I'm out of here. I do. Yeah, I'm out of here. I, what, do you, what the fuck do you care what I'm doing? I don't care. <laughs> I've stopped eating Twinkies. Thank God. I do, everyone needs to know this. I don't, nobody needs to know that. Um, so I'm just not using it. I don't like the product. I don't like the way it's evolved. I don't like uh, the owner, the way he's doing it. And I, I don't have to use it. I, don't, I do that with a lot of products, right? I don't use Facebook. I don't use Instagram. I don't, I don't like their collection of data. And I, I, you have to decide what you want to do. Some things I don't like about Amazon, but I sure do like Prime, and I use it. Mm -hmm. And I don't sit around and make a big deal of it. Um, and I get the problems about unionization. I've made a choice. And so I feel like I'm a consumer, and I don't like it. And I don't get any benefit from it. And it gives me a headache and takes time. And I have four kids. And what can I get rid of? And this doesn't it used to benefit me. Now it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So I'll go somewhere else. And if I need to market something, I will find somewhere else. To, I mean... I, I should honestly be on TikTok if that was if I really wanted to market things. Um, I just don't have the time to do that. Um, so you're scaling back. You'll use it to promote things. You'll maybe whatever. I don't, it doesn't or, even or, help. It doesn't even right. help. It, and and for some reason, I I can't believe I'm saying this because I don't agree with Anthony Scaramucci on this issue. Is people I've been somehow uh, um, people can't find me on Twitter now, which is interesting. Like I've had dozens and dozens. Of oh, like the shadow banning I, thing. Uh huh. Whatever, I don't believe it. I think they, they, I think they downgrade certain people. And mm -hmm. It seems like they have, and that's fine. I don't really, it's their product. They can do whatever they want with their shitty product. Mm. <laughs> and when, and if it's owned by someone else, maybe I'll come back. Or maybe it's just, this was the time for it, and then it wasn't. And so, uh, it just wasn't, I always look at everything at a cost-benefit analysis, mm -hmm. and the benefits are minor, and the time suck is major, and I have other things to do. Mm -hmm. So, that's all. No, I, again, I'm not going to. I hated all those pieces where everyone's like, I am living Twitter. And then they're back like months later. It's like, I stopped drinking or whatever. I just, I don't Well, people need to be I, reminded that, you know, Twitter, what, what is it? How old? 
18 years or 10, 15 yeah, years or whatever. Yeah, but and it's very, but it's also there were small. revolutions before Twitter. People disseminated information. I Protests occurred. The March on I Washington. Just, Nobody tweeted about that, but people showed up, yeah. right? So Yeah, yeah. I, I Listen, I do think it's a great product for news delivery. Mm -hmm. uh, so that I like. There's, there's, But the stuff I like about it is dwindling. And so news discovery is definite. And hearing witty people, I love that. That's super fun. Um, and there's a lot of stuff I like about it, but the, 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 the amount of ads has, had gotten insane. Like, I have to say, I got all these kind of, like, if you think late night cable is bad with their weird aesthetic ads, et cetera, this is now, and this ads on Twitter are now overwhelming the service and they're terrible. They're, they're really sketchy ads. Honestly, they're not even good ones. Um, I like the ads on mm -hmm. Instagram. I like the ads on TikTok. I think they're well done. And so, uh, there was just a series of bad ads just clogging the timeline it was i suddenly started to get all this right wing stuff i like i don't care about matt walsh i don't want to hear a word about him or candace owen i don't want to but suddenly they were in my timeline i'm like why are they here why are they here i keep and i kept saying not interested in this and it never changed and so you know they're just shoveling shit at me and then yeah. the comments i had to turn off my comments because all these crazy blue checks now have to tell me what they think of me and then they get mad when i block how dare you block me i'm like I don't have to listen to you. Like, I don't have to listen to you in real life. I don't like, like they have some God-given right for me to listen. To I always tell them blocking angry. you is like the greatest joy of my life is to I block a like, bunch of you. But people. I don't even want to block. I don't even want to spend time blocking people. That was taking up my time. Mm -hmm. That was. I started. That's what I did all day was block people. And I'm like, why am I using this? What's the? I used to like enjoy this product, and now I'm spending time blocking, looking at you know really strange ads about betting in the Philippines and. Um, and there's porn there. Oh, look, mm -hmm. there's porn suddenly. And people yell at me like people. And I get content I'm not interested in. I always so. I, I, when I get like a penis extension ad. My first thought yeah, is always like, yeah. how do they know? How do they know? How do they know? <laughs> you know, that might be helpful to you, but none of it was helpful. So my last question is going to be the second window into this whole question, oh, which right. is. What is this? What is the window that you get from dog or cat? I'm curious. What is the. What is the window? Well, there are people who don't have pets. It's yeah. a, just an interesting aspect yeah. to their character. Uh, mm -hmm. There are people who choose dogs over cats or cats over yeah, dogs. What's the window? What, what do they say? What does that say about? It, it, just depends, depend, it just depends on how you feel right? about people who own animals. Like I personally believe I, that people who own animals, take care of animals, rescue animals, may be more advanced as humans than, than some I other humans. I'm you always know. wary of people who don't. So I ask the questions and I let the viewer or the okay. listener... Listener. Glean yeah. from it what they what they what want they as as a person. I don't judge. I just ask, mm -hmm. but uh, I do judge when I ask the next question. As a music aficionado, <laughs> music is another window into the soul. So uh -huh. I want I want Kara Swisher's top five musical artists of all time. Oh wow! You know I am a country music aficionado. I just am. I just really am. And I interestingly, I was listening to Vivaldi's Four Seasons this morning with my daughter. I, she's explaining what the music sounded like. Uh, but it was unusual for me. Lately, I've been listening to the entire soundtrack of Frozen and Encanto. So that's what I feel <laughs> my musical tastes are. And the Hokey Pokey has had a lot of play. Are we going to go like Coco Melon? Uh, and uh, Coco. We, are we going no, there? We or? No, we don't. We go right to Elmo and that oh, kind of stuff. So, Lippy. Uh, but but I, I try to listen to the better uh, mm -hmm. children's music. Um, but that's what, on top of Spaghetti, was a recent selection that played <laughs> over and over and over again for Endless Loop. Um but I think probably I tend towards country music, uh, Johnny Cash, Dolly Parton, mm. Conway Twitty, Loretta Lynn, a lot of the old stuff. Uh, I very much like bluegrass music. I always am very happy or, or uh, Celtic music also, which mm -hmm. is interesting. Um, I was just listening to Tibetan monks recently. Hawaiian music I love. I love um, the, 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 uh, the string guitar. It's the... Oh, what do they play there? Not the not the ukulele. I do uh, like ukulele. Oh, oboe or what is it? No, the, the guitar. Yeah, the what steel is that? Steel guitar, little... steel guitar, uh -huh. steel guitar. Um, I love Hawaiian music. Um, I love Hawaii. That's probably why. And big Don I, Ho fan. I do like Don Ho. He's, I'm always happy listening to Tiny Bubbles. Who like Tiny Bubbles. I love that song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, what are you listening to? I'm like, that's it's probably, a happy song. That's probably something that... people don't know about you that you. No, like exactly. Tiny I was like, it's a happy. What would you like about that song? There's nothing not to like about it. Maybe they um, just want bigger bubbles. Maybe that's yeah, the problem. It's true. Americans, um, we want everything huge. 
Champagne, for fuck's sake. How could he not like it? It's mm -hmm. a silly song by a Hawaiian man about champagne. There's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with that. Song. And you're a Swifty, aren't uh, you a Swifty? Yes, I'm a Swifty. I was going to end with Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift. I cannot explain it to myself. I feel like that SNL skit where it's like Swift mania. You're like, you can't believe you like her. But I love her. Mm -hmm. I think she's a great songwriter. I've always liked songwriters. Mary Chapman Carpenter. What's her name? Uh, Sean Colvin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dar Williams. I love women songwriters. I like Harry Styles a lot. Mm -hmm. um, my sons have introduced me to a ton of rap. And so I like the guy who did Lucid Dreams. Lucid, Lucid Dreams, I think, whatever. I like um, Drake a lot. I oh, like, that's where you um, lost me. I know that. I know, but I listen to it. I, I know my sons, my sons aren't listening. They, they're very way far down the hip hop. They have all the latest of what that stuff. So I try to listen to that. Um, and I, I try not to say, oh, this is noise. I try to see what they have to say. So I listen to whatever. Um, I don't think I'm very sophisticated. My wife was a music editor, so she mm -hmm. and my sons always talk about music, and I feel like I, they're speaking another language. Um, I tend to watch television more than music. That's my genre. Mm -hmm. so. You know, when I had Eric Swallow, so we had er yeah. Eric Swallow on here, and I asked him the same yeah. question, and the first answer he said was Taylor Swift. Yeah, which was kind of surprising. She's hard not to like. Yeah, yeah. I would say Johnny Cash though. Johnny Cash and. But can you even say he's life. country? He's just like in another. He's in well, another he was bucket. For a long time, you know. And I think his wife. Um, hello, I'm losing my mind. His uh, Roseanne. Joan, June Carter. Cash. June Carter Cash. Roseanne's the daughter. I love the Carter family. Mm -hmm. I love all that West Virginia stuff. Mm -hmm. I like bluegrass stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's so before I let you go, I know my uh, co-producer and engineer Maddie is a huge fan, and he's he's got a light question Hi, for Maddie. you. Quick question. I know you love air fryers and I know you love donuts. Have you combined yeah. the two? What air fryer <laughs> recipe have you done to make a fried donut? You know, I have not. And that is a great idea. I tend to buy donuts, um, but I should try that. I'm going to do air fryer tonight. I'm going to do air fryer uh, chicken wings. I'll see how they mm -hmm. work. My son is doesn't believe it. And so I'm going to make him believe it. Um, I but I now like my Instapot. I've been doing, I got an Instapot recipe book for Christmas from my son. And so I like, I like, uh, I, I'm going to make something in the Instapot probably over you, the air fryer, but did, I do, I do love, I do love my Insta air fryer. Excellent. Well, did you try the Food 52 Instapot cookbook? No, I, this is a different one I got. My, my son got it for me as a gift, but I'll look for that. I bet it's great. I've made such beautiful things in the Instapot, I have to say. I love that Instapot. It's so cool, but I don't understand it. I'm like, why is it taking so long? What? It has, it, it, you know what I like it? Because it refuses to be easy as a, as a gadget. It's like, why does it take so long to heat? And why is it doing it? And what's the 50 minutes? And how long do you wait? It literally is like, fuck you. We'll make this. It'll be delicious. Stop asking questions. Like, you know what I mean? Of this, of my gadgetry. And that's why I like it. It's miraculous. <laughs> uh, it's a slow it cooker is. and a pressure cooker all in one. I get that. But I think you ever notice how like the screen just doesn't give you any good information? Yeah, sort of like that's true. There. Anyway. So we will end on this. We'll end on yeah. this. I am Instant. one of the co-owners of Samuel's Sweet Shop in Rhinebeck, New York. And if you oh, make... Oh, Rhinebeck is beautiful. Yeah. And if you make air fried donuts, we will yeah. sell them in the store. I will come and visit you, Sam. Oh, my Let goodness. Let me know. I haven't been up in Rhinebeck in years. Oh, what a beautiful... It's a great area. town. So and lucky. we do sell, you know, so pastries and, and all that good yeah. stuff. So make the donuts. Yeah. Time All to right, time to it. make I'm the donuts. I'm good. You know that's where I'm going to end my life in Hawaii selling donuts. That's right. what we're here. Not a bad life. Yes. Not, Not a bad, a bad life. life. Making Not donuts and listening to Don Ho all day. Uh, who that doesn't want to be you? Exactly. Kara, exactly. thank you so much. Right. You've been very generous thank with your you, time. Andy. Hope you'll come no back problem. again. Anytime. Take care. That's episode 37. If you like what you've been hearing, and even if you don't, let us know. We appreciate the feedback. You can leave us a message at 845-307-7446, email us at backroomandy at gmail.com, or tweet to me at Andy Osteroy. And when you listen, please take a quick moment to rate and review. It's very helpful. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Maddie Rosenberg, associate producer, Jan Hamoud, Cricket Langell for our artwork, Andy Hollander for kick-ass music, Patricia Wind and the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big thank you again to our guest, Kara Swisher. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week.